The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. All right, well, we're in a series called Suddenly. Everybody say Suddenly. Suddenly. And we have been talking about how God wants to show up in your life Suddenly, And by the way, let's welcome those who are watching online through YouTube that are with us in the podcast. Let's welcome them. So glad that you're with us. And we've been talking about how God wants to show up in your life in, in lots of suddenly ways. And he, want, he did it all throughout the Bible, and he's still at work today. And we've been talking about how to position yourself for suddenly. We've talked about how to experience the peace of God in the suddenly. We've talked about what to do when your suddenly doesn't come as quickly as you want it to and how to win in the waiting. And today I want to talk to you about the promise of suddenly. Everybody say, the promise Promise. of suddenly. suddenly. There's a promise of suddenly. And I'm just going to lay it all out for you right off the bat so you know where we're going with this. Here is the promise of suddenly. The promise of suddenly is Jesus promises he is going to return suddenly. I want you to know this morning that Jesus is coming again. Can I get an amen? Amen. He's coming again. It's very clear in scripture. In fact, that's my first point. If you're taking notes this morning, Jesus is coming again. In fact, in your Bible, there are over 300 references to the coming of Jesus. 100 of those have to do with his first coming. You know that is to be the, the Christmas story that spoke to that he was going to come that first time. But 200 plus, so get that, over two to one speaks to his return, his second coming, that he is going to come again, and he's going to come again suddenly. In fact, the Bible, let me give you just a couple references on this. Matthew 24, 42, this is Jesus talking. He says, therefore keep watch, because you do not know on what day the Lord will come. Two verses later, verse 44, he says, so you also must be ready because the son of man will come. He's talking about himself, will come at an hour when you do not expect him. God says this in Revelation 1.8, I am the alpha and omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the almighty. First John 2.28, and now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, that means when he comes again, when he returns, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. And then in Revelation, you see this over and over again. In fact, one of the statements that Jesus makes over and over again in the book of Revelation is he says that I am coming soon. And the word he uses soon is the Greek word tachu, which means he's coming by surprise, he's coming suddenly. So Revelation 3.11, I am coming soon, I'm coming suddenly, my reward is with me, and I will give each person according to what he has done. Revelation, uh, I'm sorry, that was 22.12, 3.11 says, I'm coming soon or suddenly, hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. And in Revelation 22, verse 20, he says again, yes, I am coming soon, I am coming suddenly. So understand this morning, Jesus is going to return, Jesus is coming again and so here's the thing. The Bible shows us we, we need to understand that. And then based on that, we need to live our life. And here's how you need to live. You need to live ready. Take a note. That's my second point this morning. Because Jesus is coming again, we need to live ready. In, in Mark chapter 13, if you want to turn there, Mark chapter 13, Jesus is talking to his disciples because he's, they're getting an idea that, that Jesus is speaking to this return. He's going to come again, and they're wanting to know, like, how will we know when this is going to happen? And so Jesus begins to share with them. Now, Jesus doesn't give them specifics. 
He doesn't tell them specifically what day he's going to come. And the reason he doesn't tell them that is because, check this out, he doesn't know. Jesus doesn't know the exact day that he's going to come back. I'll show you that here in just a second. But what he does do is he points to some signs that they can look at that speak to the season of his return so that they can be ready. When they start to see these signs, they can know that, that the time is coming near. In the same way, let me ask you a question, okay? If, if people start putting lights up on their house, their houses, and people bring Christmas trees into their home, how many of you know what's coming? Christmas is coming, Right? So we can see the signs. We, we see it in the music. We see it in the shops. We see it in the city around us. We see signs that speak to the day that's going to come. The season speaks to the day. You guys tracking with me? So Jesus is giving them signs. He's talking about some of the signs that they're going to see that speak to the season. And let me just tell you, a lot of the signs have been fulfilled. There's very few. The only one I, I really can think of that's left is that all the world knows the message of Jesus Christ. So the signs are there. It says this in Mark 13, verse 32. He says, but on that day or the hour, he's talking about his return, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven. And check it out. I told you about this earlier. Nor the son. That's him. He's saying, I don't know. Look at this. But only the father. So God's the only one that knows the exact day that he's going to come back. But we can't know the day, but we can know the season. And it's important that we do understand the season in which we're living. Verse 33, take heed, watch and pray. Or in other words, uh, we need to be ready. You need to live ready. For you do not know when the time is. It'll be a suddenly. It's like a man who's going to a far off country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to keep watch. That's exactly what God has done with us. Jesus has handed over authority to us. He's given us assignment. He's told us to to be on assignment, and he's told us to keep watch because he's coming back. Verse 34, watch therefore, pay attention, live ready, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning. I'm going to come back to that at the end of the message. Lest coming suddenly, everybody say suddenly. suddenly, he finds you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all Watch, Jesus is coming again, and we need to live ready. Now, I get it. Like, this is one of those messages. You're going, oh boy, I had to bring a visitor today. (laughs) Maybe you're sitting here going, I'm already really lost, don't know what he's talking about. Maybe you're getting a little little uptight, a little worried, a little concerned, kind of checking out on me. Don't do that. Don't do that. Stay with me. But if you are, let me just tell you, I kind of get it. Like, I understand why. I, I was born in November, November 4th, 1979. Hey, easy. No, anyway, I, I lived in the 70s, and it was, it was a crazy time for me. <laughs> 70s were, it's a blur. I don't even remember them. But man, mainly I lived in the 80s. I was a child of the 80s. And if you grew up in the 80s, and you were a Christian, a Christian home like I was, people were rapture crazy. Like they were in times. There was all sorts of crazy stuff going on. People writing books. Like 88 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 88. <laughs> Missed it. <laughs> there were people trying to predict who the, who the Antichrist was going to be. It's Ronald Reagan. <laughs> Gorbachev. Michael Jackson, you know, 
he's the king of pop. Pop, he's going to be the Antichrist. Um, people, people had all these theories. And, and if you grew up like me, like, you know, you didn't, you didn't understand it, it could kind of feel scary. In fact, I remember, I remember my mom and dad sitting me down as a kid. I was probably seven or eight years old and talking to me about how Jesus is coming back. And there's going to be a rapture of the church, and a trumpet's going to blast, and the dead in Christ will arise, and then we're going we're gonna to disappear off the face of this earth and be with the Lord, and, and, and then the Antichrist is going to come on the scene, and he's, he's going to declare himself to be God, and, and then they started telling me, like, and the Antichrist, like, we don't know who he is. It may be somebody in power right now that's going to declare themselves to be God. It may be someone who's like a child right now that doesn't even know they're going to be the Antichrist, but the devil's going to possess them. They're going to become the Antichrist. And they're telling me all this. I remember like after that was over, walking out of my house and thinking, what if it's me? I don't want to be the Antichrist. I think I'm the Antichrist. I remember, like for real, I'm not joking. I remember sitting on my swing set and just being convinced, like, I think I'm the Antichrist. <laughs> no. And, and so I remember walking into my house a little bit later that evening, and my mom saw me. And you know, moms are, they're intuitive, they know their kids, and she could tell something was wrong with me. And uh, so she was like, Are Josh, are you okay? You seem like you're down. And I remember being like, Mom, I think I'm the Antichrist. <laughs> Which I was thinking about that this week, like how she didn't just bust out laughing in front of me. Like if my kid came to me and we're like, I think I'm the Antichrist, it would be a hard one, be a tough one. But she, she lovingly informed me that no, I am indeed not the Antichrist. And so for those of you who are wondering, uh, no, I'm not the Antichrist, all right? Just to clarify that, not the Antichrist. But, you know, when, you're, when you don't know, you don't really understand something, it can be scary, it can be confusing. I remember them talking about the rapture of the church, right? And people are going to be gone. And, 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 and when I was growing up, my, my parents were a part of a ministry that did television productions and shows and all this different stuff. And they actually had a, there was a youth program that, they, that the, the church they worked for did. And they did this commercial. Uh, and, and in this commercial within this show, like this kid comes home to his house and his family's been raptured. And they shot it at my house. And so he comes home and like he goes in the kitchen and there's food cooking, but everybody's gone. And he goes upstairs and there's a shower running, but there's nobody there. Like everybody's been raptured. And this happened at my house. And so you can imagine every time I came home and I couldn't find people. I'm thinking, oh no, they've been raptured. I missed it. And I would be running through the house like terrified. I remember seeing my sister and thinking, you know, that doesn't make me feel any better. I don't. <laughs> but where's mom? Because mom's going. Where's she at? You, I, don't, I know you. You're experiencing the tribulation. I'm pretty sure of it. Where's mom? And then mom would walk in and, you know, all would be right with the world. But my point is like when we don't understand stuff, it could be confusing, it can be scary, and that's where a lot of people live when it comes to this stuff. We, we know enough to be kind of freaked out about it, and there's kind of, really, there's two kind of pits that people get into. One is where we, we get so into this, so into end times prophecy and end times theology that we get so focused on that that we, we actually consume ourselves with it, and we don't do the assignment God's called us to do. 
And that's a pit people can fall into. The other pit is where, and this is very popular in the church today, where we just say, oh, it doesn't really matter. It's going to happen when it happens, and what, what does it really matter? Well, the, the reason why that's not right is because that's not what the Bible says. That's not what Jesus told us to do. Look, look back at some of these verses. Matthew 24, 42, he says, keep watch. That means you need to be looking for it. How, how do you look for something if you don't know what you're looking for? He says in verse 44, be ready. That means we need to be prepared. How can I be prepared if I don't know what I'm preparing for? You guys tracking with me? Mark 13, 33, he says, take heed, watch and pray. Take heed there means to, to look at, to gaze at, to understand. So Jesus is saying, you need to have an understanding. You don't need to, don't, don't consume yourself with the day, the exact day. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, but you need to have an understanding of the season. And here's why, because when we understand the season and we understand that we're living in what's considered the last days, there's an urgency that we live our life with based on that. Let me, let me try to illustrate this for you. I want you to imagine you're on an airplane, and you're sitting on that plane, and that plane is full of people, and you got your family with you, you got people you know, a bunch of people you don't know, you're sitting on the plane, and someone you know that you trust really well, someone you know not to be a liar, someone you know to be truthful, comes up to you, and they say, hey, I know it doesn't look like it, I know you can't see any signs of it necessarily right now, but this plane is going to crash, it's going down, but I have something for you, I purchased for you this parachute, and, and I want you to put this on so that you're safe because this plane's going to crash. And, and I've got to go. I'm going to leave. But the good news is I've actually purchased a parachute for every person on this plane. But I need you to help me get these parachutes on these people. So I'm going to go, and there's your assignment. Help me get these parachutes on these people. I don't know about you, but if it's me, I'm going to start getting parachutes on people. I'm going to start talking to people. I'm going to make sure the people that I love, my family, understands this, and that I'm getting that parachute on them. I'm going to do everything I can to let everybody know, because if this plane's going to crash, even if I don't see any signs of it right now, if I don't quite understand it, it doesn't take away the fact that it's going to happen, and I need to be prepared, and I need to try to help other people to be prepared. You, you follow what I'm saying this morning? Listen, this world is going to crash. There's coming a day and Jesus is going to return and, and, and this world, and I'm not saying this to scare you, I'm saying this to say we got to be ready. We got to be ready because the day's coming. Jesus is coming back. And listen, the first time he came, he, he rode in on a little donkey and he, was, he came as a loving lamb to be slain for our sins. But the next time he's coming, he ain't coming on a donkey. <laughs> He's coming on a white horse as a conquering king. And he's coming to judge sin and to judge Satan. And we need to live ready. We need to be prepared. We need to understand our assignment so we can fulfill what God's called us to do in this world. Jesus is coming back, so you got to live ready. So how do we live ready? i got two points for you this morning. How do you, how you live ready? Number one is this. you got to do Jesus' business. we got to be about Jesus' business business. Bible says this in Luke chapter 19. Jesus tells, tells this parable. It's about a king who's going to be leaving for a while, and he's got these 10 servants, and he goes to his servants, and he gives them the silver, and he says, hey, I want you to take this. It's valuable. It's precious. I want you to take it. I want you to do something with it. In fact, he says this in verse 13. He says, do business until I return. And he's not just saying do any business. He's saying do kingly business. Do my business until I return. Be about the kind of business I'm about until I return. So I'm giving you something precious. I'm giving you something valuable. And I want you to do something valuable with it is what the king is saying. 
And so the king leaves, and then he comes back. And when he comes back, he finds that some of his servants have taken what they've been given, and they've used it, and they've done something with it. And, and he looks at them, and he, and he says, well done. He's, he's proud of them. He congratulates them, and he has blessings and rewards for them for doing what they were supposed to do. But then he comes to some of his servants, and they haven't been doing what they're supposed to do. In fact, there's one guy that takes his, and he buries it. He hides it away. And when the king comes to him, he judges him harshly. And he's upset with him because he didn't do what he was supposed to do. And Jesus taught this parable so that we would understand the assignment that he has for us in this world. See, every one of us, every one of us in here, we've been given some precious gifts from God. You know what you've been given? You've been given your talents and your gifts. God's given you a way of thinking and a way of of processing. And he's put talents and gifts in your hands. And, and, And the question is, what are you doing with them? Are you just using them for you? Are you just hiding them away just for you? Or are you using them to do kingly business? He's given each one of us a sphere of influence. You're not just where you are by happenstance. God has placed you in this specific time in history around the specific people that he's placed you around. And he's put you there so that you can make a difference where you are. So you can be light to the world around you. My question is, are you hiding your light? Are, are, you, are you using that influence to, to do kingly business? And, and, and one of the precious gifts, probably the most precious gift all of us have been given, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's our salvation. It's the hope of the world. It's, the, it's, it's what everybody in this world needs. My question is, what are you doing with that? Is it, is it just for you? Have you just hidden it away for you? It's, it's to save you and, and yours, but are, are you helping other people? To see that God wants to save them. See, we're called to do the king's business. And there's an urgency to this. We got to get to work. In fact, there's a story in Acts chapter 1 where Jesus is ascending into heaven. This is after he has died on the cross. He's been raised from the dead. He's told his disciples what they're supposed to do. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. But before you do that, wait for the Holy Spirit. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then you're going to go do this this business I've called you to. So Jesus has done everything that he's going to do. He's done. And now he begins to ascend into heaven right before their eyes. So like literally, they're standing there. Jesus is talking. And then when he's done, he just begins to float up into the sky. Like just float. Like I'm a grown man. And you take me to a birthday party and you let a balloon go, I'll sit out there for 30 minutes watching that thing. It's like watching it drift. I still, I still see it. I guess this is this guy. Like Jesus just floats in. There. This was an epic moment, people. Like they're probably sitting there going, yeah, I still, I still, I think I still see Jesus. That's him up there. Is it Jesus right there? And it's at this moment. Check this out. Okay, verse 10. They, the disciples, were looking intently into the sky as he was going. Jesus going up in the sky. When suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. These weren't just guys in cool white clothes. These were angels, okay? They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? I know what I would have said. Because Jesus is flying in the sky. You still kind of see him right there, I think. But look at this. The same Jesus, they said, the same Jesus who was taken from you into heaven will come back. There it is again. In the same way you have seen him go into heaven. I want you to notice, like, the urgency here. 
I mean, he's still floating into the sky, and the angels are going, hey, get to work. It's time. Quit looking up in the sky. And this is the problem. Some people, we get so focused. We're, he, he's going to come back, but we can't just focus on that. we got an assignment to do in the meantime. Yes, we need to understand that, but we have a job to do in the meantime. These guys had to get on assignment. They had to do the king's business. they gotta go, They got to go reach people. they got to tell people about Jesus. they got to get filled with the Spirit so they can do it in the power of God. This is important to their assignment, and they got to get on it with urgency. We, church, have a job to do. And God is looking at you today going, hey, quit looking at the sky. Quit staring off into into nothingness. Quit getting stuck in a stare and focus on what God has called you to do. Can I get an amen? Amen. Okay, so let me give you four things that you can do to to fulfill this assignment. We're called to do Jesus business. Here's four things you can do that will help you do Jesus business. Number one is you need to be a witness. You need to be a witness. Now, when I was growing up in the 80s and 90s and people would talk about witnessing, like the idea was like you got to go out to people you don't know and you got to tell them about Jesus. And like I remember some of my friends in high school, they got, you know, on fire for God and they would go hang out outside a quick trip and as people were going in, they would be like, hey, if you die tonight, do you know where you're going? I'm just going to get a Slurpee, bro. I don't know what you're talking about. It's just... But that, I'm just letting you know, that's not, that's not really witnessing. Like, you think about a witness. What is a witness? In a court case, they bring in a witness, and what does a witness do? They share their story. They share what they've seen, what they've experienced. They just share their story. I'm trying to simplify this for you, because I think this is what scares people away. Some of us aren't doing our assignment, because we think we got to, like, really get all of the theology of Scripture and understand everything just perfectly in order for us to, to get out there. Because what if they ask us questions? Here's, if they ask you questions, what, what's your story? Like, that's what Jesus is calling you to do. What, what's, what's your experience? Because people can argue with you all day, but they can't argue with what God's done in your life. That's your witness, like, people can argue with me about, like, they say they don't believe in healing. Well, I've experienced it. My mom was cross-eyed, and she got healed. And my mom, they told her she'd never have children. She had endometriosis. She'd never have children. Doctors told her that, that she needed to have a hysterectomy. And I exist. Right. <laughs> I remember as a kid praying because I had a ward on my foot. And, and, and that night, it fell off. So that's my story. That's my experience. And you're not going to, like, that's what I believe. You guys track with me? You don't have to know all the answers. You need to know the word, and you need to appreciate theology and understand it. But what you need to know more than anything is your witness to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. It needs to be good news. Be a witness of the good news of the gospel of Jesus. Number two, be a servant. Be a servant. Jesus was a servant. Jesus came to serve others. To the point that he gave his life. That's how much of a servant he was. So if that's what Jesus was about when he was on earth. And we're supposed to be doing the business of Jesus. Doesn't it make sense that we would be serving? So we got to serve people. We got to serve people who can't pay us back. We got to go serve young people. We got to serve the generation under us. We got to serve kids. We got to serve people. Are you serving anybody? Are you just serving yourself? Have you buried away your service just for yourself? Do you serve your spouse? You say, well, you don't even know. My spouse isn't even a believer. All the more reason to serve them. Whereby which you show them the love of Jesus. We got to be servants. You guys are getting quiet in this church. 
We've got to be service. Number two, or number uh, three, be a giver. Be a giver. I'm going to talk about your finances for a little bit. Is that okay with you? God's called us to be givers. You know that the kingdom of God and the message of Jesus has to be funded. Read the writings of Paul sometime. It's in there. And, and I want you to know, at this church, when you give and you tithe at this church, we take those funds and we use them to build the kingdom of God. We do Jesus' business with them. We don't just keep the lights on here and pay salaries. We actually take those funds and we use them to build other churches. You know, just a few months ago, we, we gave $10,000 to a church in Colorado to help plant another church. We didn't brag about that. We didn't make a big thing because that's just what we do, just so you know. That's just what we do. It's who we are. Uh, we, we help uh, with missions, with Empower International. We reach kids all over the, the world. We, we support missions in Israel because the Bible's clear that the message of Jesus Christ is to the Jew first. And so we make sure that the gospel of Jesus Christ is being shared with the Israelite people, that they know that the Messiah was indeed Jesus and that he's the one. We, we help people in, in our city through Hope is Alive to get out of drug addiction. We're helping orphans and widows in this city. We help people in our church. You know, there's people that come and they're just, they're in a tough season. They can't pay a bill. They can't afford their car. They, they find themselves in tough places and we'll help them out. We, and then we also bring them in and we talk to them. We counsel them a little bit so they can get out from some of the financial woes that they're in. But my, my point is like, we're about kingdom business. And, and, and so the good news for you is if you're a tither and a giver, then your finances are being used to build the kingdom of God. You're doing king business with your money. And so I encourage you, believe based on that, that God wants to do good business in your life. You can believe that God wants to bless you because you're blessing others. And who, and the Bible says who waters others will be watered himself. God wants to water you. He wants to take care of you. Be a giver. Be a giver. Number four, be a lover. And I want to say that, you know, I'm not saying that. Like, I mean, love people. Don't be like Don Juan. I'm not saying that, okay? But, but love people, like really love people. Like love people enough to listen to them. Love people enough to sit in a hospital room with them. Love people enough to shut up sometimes and not just try to get the next word in. Love people enough that when you see them going in the wrong direction, you correct them. I've used this illustration before, but it really is true. If my kids are playing in the highway, I love them enough that I'm going to correct them and get them out of the highway. And there's people in your life that are going in the wrong direction. What they're doing, you know it is not in agreement with the word. And we love them enough. We love them enough to say, that's wrong what you're doing. That's going to hurt you. That's important. They may not like it. They may say, well, I ain't going to be your friend for a while, or I'm mad at you, but... When at all possible, I'm going to walk in love with people, and I'm going to, I'm going to try to walk in peace, but, but this is the truth, and the truth to set you free if you'll allow it to. Be a lover. Really love people. This is the assignment God's called us to. we got to do Jesus' business. Here's number two. Doing Jesus' business, we got a number two. we got to stay alert. we got to stay alert. Look back at Mark 13 with me, verse 35. Jesus says, watch therefore... In other words, live ready, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming. In the evening or at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning. Verse 36, less coming, suddenly he find you sleeping, and what I say to you, I say to all, watch. Now, in these verses, Jesus speaks to four times of the day. 
And these four times were actually the four night watches of the Hebrew people. They are in the evening, which is right after the sun goes down, at midnight, which is the middle of the night, at the crowing of the rooster, which is between 3 and 3.30 a.m., and in the morning, which is actually right before the sun begins to rise. So these are the four night watches. And what all four of them have in common is they all take place in the dark. And Jesus is saying, be careful that you don't get caught up in the dark. You know, we live in a dark world, don't we? There's a lot of darkness in this world. A lot of darkness going on around us. And the danger of darkness is it's easy to fall asleep in the dark. And if we're not careful, what will happen is we'll get caught up in the darkness of this world. And, and, and yes, I'm speaking to sin, but I'm not just speaking to sin. I'm just speaking to the way of the world. The, the rat race. You know, I, I was thinking about this week. It's easy to fall asleep when it's dark. It's even easier to fall asleep when it's dark and when you're tired. And a lot of you, that's where you are. Like you're, you're caught up in the world race and, and you're, you're spending all your energy on the wrong stuff. And because of that, you're falling asleep on the real assignments God has for you. You're not watching over your marriage like you should be. You're not watching over your calling and your influence like you should be. You're sleeping on it. You're sleeping on your call to be a godly parent who trains up your children in the way they should go. You're sleeping on the assignments that God that are really important because you're so focused on these other assignments that are caught up in the darkness of the pace of this world that it's keeping you from what God's called you to. Ooh, I'm preaching good this morning. And so the Bible tells us this. Look at this, uh, Ephesians 5:14. It says, wake up. Everybody turn to the person beside you and say, wake up. Wake up. Oh, sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine upon you. Be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. The days are dark. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. That's what I'm trying to help you with today. Help you to understand what the will of the Lord is for us as believers in what is called the end times that we're living in right now. How do we, how do we live wise? How do we be prepared for this? God's saying we've got to wake up. Because listen, if you're sleepwalking through life, if you're sleeping on the wrong stuff, it can be dangerous. I remember when I was a kid, or when I was in high school actually, I had a friend that came to live with me at my house for a while. Uh, because his parents were going through divorce, and he was my best friend, and he just kind of needed to get away from that atmosphere for a while, and so my parents allowed him to come live with me during my senior year of high school, and so um, in my room, I had like my bed over here, and his bed was over here, and, and he, he lived with me for that, that entire year. Well, one night, we'd been out kind of hanging out. It was Friday night. We came home, and uh, we were watching TV in my room. And he always fell asleep before me. He was like, he'd hit the bed and just fall asleep quickly. But I was kind of watching TV for a little bit. And then I turned off the TV and I was kind of drifting into sleep when all of a sudden uh, I felt something. I felt like someone was squeezing my feet. It was not an angel, in case you're wondering. And, you know, when you're, when you're just drifting off to sleep and all of a sudden that's going on, it's a little alarming. And so I look, I like kind of flip over and look, 
and it's my friend. And he's standing at the foot of my bed, and he's squeezing my feet. And so I called him Munch, and, and so I was like, and I have a loud voice. I was like, Munch! And when I did that, he jerked, and then he like walked over and just got into his bed. And so I'm laying there in bed going, um, hey, hey, bro, you good? Like, what, what, everything, what, what was that? And he says, I didn't know you were in the bed. What, 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 do you, what do you mean? And he says again, I didn't know you were in the bed. What, what, what were you going to do? Like, if I wasn't in the bed, like, what are you? I, and he just, again, he just says, I didn't know you were in the bed. And I was like, all right, man, whatever. Like, leave me alone. I'm going to sleep. Good night. And I slept terrible that night. <laughs> but as it goes, I woke up the next morning and I forgot about it. And I'm, we're, you know, we both wake up and we're watching TV in my room and just kind of hanging out. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, it, it hits me, oh yeah, he was rubbing your feet last night. <laughs> so I was like, oh yeah, bro, by the way, what the heck? And he was like, oh man, he's, I went to sleep, I was in my bed, you know, and I wake up and I'm standing at the foot of your bed and you're yelling at me. <laughs> It's like I had no idea what was going on. He was sleepwalking, sleep foot rubbing, weird stuff. But here's the point. He fell asleep and he found himself in a place where he's going, how did I get here? And that's an easy place to get in life sometimes. We start sleeping on our assignments. And I can't tell you how many times I've been in a counseling session with somebody and they're going, how did we get here? How did our marriage get here? How did I get, how did I drift this far? You were sleeping. There's a story in the Bible about a guy named Eutychus. And Eutychus is listening to Paul preach. And the Bible says that he's perched up in this window. And he's listening. And he's in a, he, I realize he's in a godly environment. Listening to a minister of God. He's there around it. But he begins to get sleepy and he falls asleep, and he falls out of this window and about dies. And I think if we're not careful, man, we got to find ourselves there. We're around the things of God, but we're not really where we should be. It's time to wake up. It's time to recognize where we find ourselves today, the season that we're in. we got to live ready. we got to do Jesus' business, and we got to stay alert. Listen, the question we need to be asking ourselves right now is not, when specifically is Jesus going to return? Because let me just tell you, anyone who tells you a specific date is wrong. In fact, you can know when they give you a specific date, well, he's not coming back that day because the Bible says only God knows, okay? So that's not really the question. The question is not really, it doesn't matter. I mean, it matters the season, you need to, but, but you're not gonna know. And, and also, like why it's taking so long. That question doesn't really matter. Here's the questions that matter. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? And, and who around you isn't ready? That's the questions. We got to live ready. We got to be on assignment. We're called by God to do something great. We're called to be about kings, the king's business. One last verse I want to show you. Matthew 25. There's a parable that Jesus tells. And this parable is speaking specifically to his return. 
to help us understand what it's going to be like. And it's the parable, some call it the, the parable of the ten virgins, some the, the, the parable of the ten uh, bridesmaids. But in this parable, it's a picture of a Jewish wedding ceremony. And the groom is coming, and he's, there's going to be a day that he shows up, and when he shows up, he's coming for his bride, and there's going to be a celebration. And so there's these ten bridesmaids, and, and they all have these lamps, and they all have oil. But five of the bridesmaids are foolish, and five of the bridesmaids are wise. The five foolish bridesmaids don't have any extra oil. In other words, they're not prepared. And the five foolish bridesmaids, the Bible tells us, they fall asleep. Because what happens is, the groom, it takes him a while to come. It takes him longer than they thought, and so it gets dark, and they're not watching anymore. They've gone to sleep. They've drifted. The darkness has got to them, and they've fallen asleep. They've quit looking. But the five wise bridesmaids are keeping their lamps burning, and they're staying, they're staying on, on task. They're prepared. They know their assignment, and they're staying on their assignment. And so there comes a day that all of a sudden on the horizon, the groom is seen and the five wise bridesmaids go to the five foolish bridesmaids and they say, hey, wake up, he's coming. And those foolish bridesmaids wake up in panic mode because their lights have gone out and they have no oil. And they turn to the five wise bridesmaids and they say, give us some of your oil. And they say, we, we can't. It doesn't work. I can't give you my oil. I, I, we, this is our oil. We can't give it to you. And so the five foolish bridesmaids have to run out and go find oil and come back. Well, while they're gone, the groom comes home and, and he comes in and the celebration begins. And they go inside and they begin to have this banquet and celebrate. And the door is locked. And the, the five foolish bridesmaids come back to the house and they find the door locked and they can't get in. And it says this, Matthew 25, verse 11. They say, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. Now look at this. And, and as you read this, realize this is Jesus talking about his return. And this is Jesus giving us imagery of what it's going to be like and what some people are going to experience when he returns. This is Jesus. He loves you. He died for you. But this is the truth for some people. He says this, verse 12, but he answered, truly I say to you, I do not know you. I do not know you. Watch therefore. In other words, Jesus saying, hey, pay attention. Stay on alert, for you know neither the day or the hour. I read this this week, and, and I'm telling you, I see the foolish bridesmaids on display all the time in the, in the church world. People who are around the things of God, but they're not really surrendered to the things of God. And I want you to know, and I'm not, I'm not trying to scare you, but I am trying to help you. I want you to know today, listen to me, young people, listen to me. Everybody, pay attention. This is important. Your salvation is not based on your church attendance. You come in once a week, twice a week, once a month to church, that's not going to get you into heaven. You can't count on that for salvation. That's not your answer. Your religious affiliation, you can't count on that for your salvation. Young people, listen, because your mom and dad are saved... You don't inherit the things of God. This is not just something you receive by association. If your spouse is saved and you're not, in other words, let me say it like this, you can't rely on someone else's oil. You gotta have your own oil. You gotta have the light of Jesus burning inside you. Or you are in danger of being one of the ones that on the day of the return, Jesus says, 
I don't know you. I don't really know you. But the good news is, you can know God. And the good news is, you're in a church that wants to help people know God. You can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He made a way so you can be saved. He made a way so you can be confident that on the day of his return, you'll be welcomed in. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you today in this message? Are you ready? Are you watching? Is the light of Jesus alive inside of you, burning in you? Or will you be scrambling? If you're here today and you're not really sure, maybe you're, maybe you're watching online right now. Maybe you're listening to this podcast and you would honestly say, I don't know that I'm right with God. I don't know that I'm where I need to be. I want you to know that you can know that you know that you're right with God. You can know God. You can have a relationship with Jesus. Jesus made a way so that you could. You can surrender your life to him today. Make him the Lord and Savior of your life. If you've never done that before, we'd love to help you with that. In fact, I want to invite you to do something. With every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. If that's you today and you say, I'm not exactly sure where I stand, but I want to know that I'm right with God today. If that's you today, I want you, when I count to three, to put up your hand. Ready? One, two, three. Put up your hand. If that's you today, you want to know that you're right with God? Yes, I see that hand. I see those hands going up. That's awesome. You can put your hand down once you put it up. Anybody else? Just put it up real quick. You can put it right back down. If you want to know that you're right with God, just lift up your hand. Awesome. All right, those of you who raised your hand, I want to lead you in a prayer. In church, since we're in agreement, we're all going to pray this prayer together. I want you to say this out loud with me. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins, so make, for making a way so I could be saved. I believe that you died on the cross for me. And I believe that you rose from the grave so I could be raised to new life through you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving your life for me. I give my life to you. My all, my past, my present, my future. For your glory, for your will, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, let's give those a hand that prayed that prayer. So awesome. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.